Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Today I'm going to tell you up front, this message is going to be challenging. In fact, it's going to do more than challenge us. I'm praying that it changes us. How many of you want to be changed today to look more like Jesus? I don't know about you, but I want to be changed. I want to be better, different. I want more of God's presence in my life, and I want Him to have more control over me than He's ever had before. More control than He had over me in 2021, because if there's anything that 2020 taught me, it's that I have no control have no control. The truth is, even though this may be a challenging message, change begins when we are challenged. So I love you, church family, but I believe God wants me to preach a message today that is going to challenge us. Our text is Jeremiah 49, uh, verse 1 and 2. It says, Against the Ammonites, thus says the Lord, has Israel no sons? Has he no heir? He is essentially saying, saying if, if they do, then why has Molech dispossessed, dispossessed and claimed the inheritance of Gad? Why is the enemy doing the things that he is doing in the land of, Gad's, of God's chosen people? Why have the Ammonites settled in Israel's very city? Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will cause to be heard an alarm of war in Rabbah of the Ammonites. It shall be a desolate mound, and her villages shall be burned with fire. Then Israel, let me just add there, then the church shall take possession of his inheritance, says the Lord. I want to lay a little groundwork before I announce the title of the message today, but before we move any close, any forward, I want to just pray over the word today. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would release anointing in the house. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would have your way. Change us. Let us let heaven come in this room. Do whatever you want to do here and by live stream, God. I just pray, Lord, those watching by live stream, the same Holy Spirit that is here with us would be with them in this moment. Father, we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. The Bible says here concerning the Ammonites, thus saith the Lord, Israel has Israel no sons? Has he no heir? If he does, why has Molech who was a false god, who was worshipped as king among the Ammonites, why has he dispossessed the children of God? Why has he claimed their inheritance? This scripture captivates me. The prophet Jeremiah is inspired by God, and he asks a very startling question. The question that he asks here is, has Israel no sons? Do they have no daughters? Do they have any heirs that are willing to reclaim their God-given inheritance? In this moment, the nation of Israel is in trouble, church. They are being overrun by their sworn enemies, the Ammonites, and Israel is literally losing their promise. They are losing their inheritance to the Ammonites. These Ammonites were some of the most godless people who ever walked the face of the earth. They worshiped one of the worst hell-inspired demonic gods in the history of humanity. He was called the God of Molech. His name literally means king, but let me tell you something. It's a little K. It's not a capital K because there's only one king of kings. 
What made his worship so dark and what made his worship so despicable is in order to please this false demonic God, human sacrifice had to be offered. But not just any sacrifice of humanity. In particular, he claimed and desired their children. He said, you will sacrifice your babies to me. See, you've got to understand something, church. The price of sin in one generation is often paid by the next. The compromise of one generation often becomes the bondage of the next. If you study about Molech, his hands are outstretched like this. And these hands are made into almost like a pool. And these babies were brought and they were placed in these hands that are crafted to be like a pool. And they would lay their little babies in those hands. Can you picture that? At first, the water was very cool. It wasn't hot. But then they would begin to heat that water up, getting it hotter and hotter and hotter. Raising the temperature just a little bit at the time. Isn't that what the enemy has done to the church? We have allowed him to raise the temperature just a little bit at a time. We've allowed things to take hold of our nation and even take hold of the church that absolutely grieves the very heart of God. And we are making compromises a little at a time. If you look at Israel's history in the Old Testament, you'll see where they did the same thing. They made just a little compromise here and a little compromise there. And before you realize that all those little compromises add up, before you realize that you are completely opposite of what God wants. It was a bronze statue, and that statue was heated up as hot as it could be. The water began to boil, and the children were literally boiled alive. The families that were there, of course, they loved their children. What would happen is this. There were priests of Molech that were stationed by the families. They were positioned next to the fathers and the mothers and the brothers and the sisters and the friends of that precious baby. And when those babies began to cry out, they would begin to beat a drum. They would beat out a musical cadence. And the reason that they beat the drums was so that the families could not hear the perishing of their children. The reason that the priests would beat the drums was because they knew that if their parents heard the cry of the lost generation, of a dying generation, that they would begin to lose heart. And I just want to take a few minutes and preach along these lines today. It's time to stop the music. We are losing a generation. Stop the music. The devil is pounding out the drums of compromise. He is pounding out the drum of immorality and unrighteousness. And he's not just pounding them in the world, church. Now he is pounding them in the church. I want to say today it is time to stop the music. The enemy is after the hearts of a generation. Stop the music. The devil is after your children. Stop the music. Play time is over, church. Stop the music. How many of you are ready for the enemy to stop the music? Amen. This moving text that I read was written by what I believe was one of the greatest prophets of the Bible. And of course, pastor's been through his series, The Prophets, so he has already, you guys are all Bible scholars when it comes to Jeremiah um, because of pastor's teaching, but I just want to refresh our memory um, on, on Jeremiah. Um, it's written by a man named Jeremiah, and there are some amazing facts that I don't want you to miss about him. He prophesied and ministered during, one of, during some of the darkest, most intense times in the nation.
nation of Israel. That's why a lot of people, he's known as the weeping prophet. He weeped over their desolate situation, over the, just the terrible things that were going on during his time. It was truly a terrible time to be on the face of the earth. Jeremiah stood before a compromising community. He stood and declared the word of the Lord when it was anything but easy. But he stood and he spoke truth and he delivered the heart of God, not trying to be popular, but just trying to be obedient to his God. But here's what is amazing to me. Jeremiah was about 15 years old when he received his call to ministry. At about 15 years old, Jeremiah is thrust before a compromising, immoral, idol-worshiping, lost nation, and he's there as a spokesman for God. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. I don't know what you were doing at 15 years old, but that right there would have freaked me out. If God called me to be his, spoke, his mouthpiece before a nation like that, I want you to understand something. Jeremiah was a teenager. Are you hearing me, young person? He was unqualified. There was no way he should have been chosen to do this. He was a teenager who wrestled with challenges and insecurities. He had issues himself. If you study his life, but God began to deal with him about taking a stand. And here is his reply. Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm just a youth. I'm unqualified. I'm too young for this. I cannot do this. I cannot go against the grain. I'm too young to do this. I'm only a teenager. I can't possibly make a difference. And I want you to understand something, young people and church family. The enemy is still trying to convince the church as a whole. He is trying to convince everyone in this room that we are unqualified to do anything significant for God. The enemy has launched such an attack where people are making excuses who need to be rising up and fighting for the next generation. People say, I'm too young, pastor. Well, my question for you is, are you a son and daughter of God? You say, yes, but pastor, I'm too young. My past is too messed up. I've had too many issues. I've had too many failures. Pastor, I'm not gifted enough. Pastor, I'm not. You fill in the blank, whatever your situation is. But I want you to know something this morning. The devil is a liar. Here's what you need to understand, friends. God doesn't want your excuses. He wants you. He wants you jack-ups and mess-ups and all. He wants your problems and insecurities. He wants you in weakness. He wants you when you feel like you are unable to do it and inept for the task. But here's what I want you to know. When God uses a Jeremiah, when he raises up a David, when he raises up someone like me and someone like you, there is no way that we can possibly get the glory for it because we know that we don't have what it takes to do the job, but the Lord is on our side. We think all of this depends on us. It doesn't. It's that one inside of us that's going to enable us to be what we are not in the natural. God told Jeremiah, don't hide behind your excuses. Don't hide behind the excuse of being too young. Listen, he said, you're more than you think you are, Jeremiah. There's more in you than you realize. You had the very breath of God inside of you. And church family, I just want you to know, the very same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in your body right now. How much more power do you need? We have everything that we need. God has supplied it. What we have to do is activate it and to say, it's in me. I'm going to activate this, and I am going to respond to what God wants me to do. There's more in you than you realize, and God said something very powerful to Jeremiah. 
He said, son, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, before you were a a twinkle in your daddy's eye. He said, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. You say, pastor, how do you know that God loves me? God is omniscient. That means he's always been aware that you would arrive on the planet. He always knew that you would arrive with an assignment. And let me tell you something, that's why the enemy wants you to feel unloved and unworthy, but you need to tell the devil, the Lord loved me before I even got here on this planet. I stopped by to tell you what the enemy wishes I would not inform you about this morning. There is greatness in you, more than you ever know. Even if you're older or younger, or maybe you're right in the middle, there is greatness in you. Don't let the devil lie to you, young adult. There is greatness in you. In you. If you can decide right now, I'm going to push past my own insecurities. I'm going to push past people's opinions. I'm going to push past my own fear. If you'll do that, you'll discover that there is a world shaker in you. I've come to let the world know that there is a church that is rising up in its identity, and we are going to know who we are. If you study the life of Jeremiah, you'll discover that He was the most persecuted prophet in the Bible. And where the resistance began, interestingly enough, was not in the world where you would expect it. It was not among the Ammonites. The resistance he encountered the most was his very own family. His own family told him, shut up. Don't do this. You're too young. I want to talk to the young people, teenagers, and those my age. So seniors, you can tune me out for just a few minutes. You can get on Facebook, do whatever you want to do. You may be here and you say, Pastor Scott, I would live more boldly for Jesus, but what will my friends say? You don't understand. My, Pastor, my friends may reject me. Can I say this to you, young person? Your friends didn't die for you, and your friends aren't coming back for you, but Jesus is, so you better get your priorities straight. Don't worry about what the person next to you says or what they may think. You need to be concerned with what does Jesus think? What does Jesus want me to do? That's what you need to do, young person. That's why I'm not bound up by what people say about me because people didn't die for me. They didn't release me. They didn't anoint me. I do this for Jesus. Well, pastor, I don't know how Bay will feel about this. Do you know what Bay stands for? Bay, all of the young people know, Bay stands for beyond anyone else. I watch young people, and I am sorry, I seem like I'm hating on the young people. I watch young people call each other Bay on social media. One minute, they're calling each other Bay. The next minute, they unfollow each other, they unfriend each other, and they block each other. I want to say this to everyone in the room. Be careful who you call Bay. Be careful who you put above anyone else. Young lady, if all that joker is interested in is breasts, thighs, and legs, you don't need to take him home. Send that joker to KFC. You have a destiny. I said, you have a destiny. You say, Pastor, do you love Bay? Let me tell you, if Bay stands for bacon and eggs, I love Bay. Hallelujah. I see guys trying to act like they're a gangster, trying to act cool. I'm tough, got your pants halfway down, acting like you're strong. You ain't fooling nobody. You still sleep with a nightlight on. Everybody knows it. You ain't fooling nobody. You ain't no gangster. You're still wearing Peppa Pig pajamas. You ain't fooling nobody. Your mama still tucks you in at night. Let me stop while I'm ahead. 
There's going to be a lot of those moments in this message, just warning you. So here is this young man, underqualified teenager, rising to the call of God, rising to the assignment. I'm going to stop right here for just a second, and please forgive me for what I'm about to say. Millennials and young people, it is time for you to start rising to the call. You have been bottle-fed long enough. It is your time to start stepping into leadership in the church. Stop saying you can't do it and know that if God has called you to do it, he will provide for you. I am sick and tired of seeing those in my age bracket just sit and warm up pews. It is time to get busy for God. I can say that because I am a millennial, and I'm telling you, my generation, it's time. It is time. Jeremiah followed hard after God. And now, after many years of prophesying, he's an old man. He started at 15, but now he's an old man. And he pins these words from God concerning the Ammonites. He said, does Israel have any heirs? Are there any sons and any daughters that are sick and tired of the Ammonites coming in and sifting our land and stealing our legacy and robbing us of our children? Does Israel have any sons? It is profound to me because if you know what's going on here in the text, the Ammonites had literally invaded the land of Gad. They were, there were three different tribes that they invaded. They invaded Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. And they were losing the promises of God, the literal promises of God they were losing. That promised land was being taken over. One side note I want to tell you, the enemy will always try to steal God's promises. He'll try to steal healing, salvation. He'll try to steal your joy. He'll try to steal your purpose. He'll try to steal your destiny. But I have come to sound the alarm, and I tell you, devil, we know who you are, and you will not have my family. You will not have my purpose. You will not have one square inch of anything that God has promised me in my life. Is there anyone here that will say the same thing straight to his face today? Jeremiah rises up and says, does Israel have any sons? He's in a legacy mindset here, church. He is wanting to know, is there anybody that will rise up? I'm looking for someone. Don't you remember? I'm looking for someone that will rise up for God. The enemy came in and took and stole from them. And in that moment, they came into a tribe called Manasseh. If you define the word Manasseh, Manasseh means this, causing to forget or simply I forgot. This tribe of people became just like their name. When the Ammonites came rushing in, they forgot who they were. They forgot about God. They forgot about his greatness. They forgot how far God had brought them. They forgot that God could do anything. They forgot that he parted the Red Sea. I believe one of the issues in America right now, if I'm being transparent, is that the church has amnesia. We have forgotten that he is a way maker and a miracle worker, that he is a uniter and a deliverer. They forgot God, and because they forgot God, they lost everything. If they could have just remembered who they were, the enemy would have been no match for them, church. I've come today to remind you that you are are a child of God, that the Lord is on your side, that you are a son and daughter of the Most High God, not just some God, not Molech. You are a child of the Most High God. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God can raise a standard against him. Does Oxford have any sons and daughters who are going to remember who you are? Most of America and even the church has forgotten all about God. 
This land that we love is spiraling and is in trouble because we have forgotten God. But my question is, does God have any sons and daughters here that won't forget him? Does he have any sons and daughters that will take him outside of this building? Does he have any sons and daughters that will walk right into their workplace and not be ashamed? Is there a passion and hunger for God? Is there room for God in your life outside of this building? Are you ashamed of him? Or do you say, Lord, I remember. I remember when I wasn't fit to live. I remember every blessing that has come from your hand, every breakthrough. If you remember, just give God a mighty praise right now for all that he has done. The devil won't win if you'll remember. He won't have our nation if our nation will just remember much of this generation has come before that has come before us has lost their passion much of the church has lost its tears they've lost the thought of the holy spirit they've lost the thought of the move of god their worship lost their praise lost their prayers but see people who remember they worship a little differently People who remember, you pray just a little bit different. So I declare that God is going to release in this room the spirit of recollection, and we are going to march into new victory, rehearsing what the Lord has already done. The devil came into Manasseh. He sifted Manasseh. But I got news for you, devil. You ain't coming into Oxford. Remember where we came from? And if God was faithful to this church when it started in 1931, then he'll be faithful to it in 2022. Young person, let me reiterate this again. We need you. We need you. So you have Manasseh, and Manasseh means I have forgotten then you have Reuben, and Reuben means to see a son. It literally means willing to be seen. This tribe should have been willing to be seen. But if you study what's going on behind the scenes, when the Ammonites came rushing in, instead of them rising to their call, they began to hid like scared rabbits. And I want to tell you something. The enemy is always going to rush in. He's always going to fight. But you need to understand that a hidden undercover Christian is no help to the lost and it is no threat to hell. People know that you like the Dolphins. People know that you are an Alabama fan. People know that you are a Miami fan. But do they know that there is a Jesus that has transformed everything about your life? Do we have any sons and daughters that would say, Pastor Scott, I am ready to come out of hiding. That's the word I have for you, church and young people. Come out of hiding. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. We are living in a day... We are living in a day, church, when the world is upside down. We've got Pride Month. We celebrate what grieves the very heart of God. Then we've got ashamed believers in the church. Where is the church that will rise up and say, we don't hate you. We don't despise you. We're going to love you. If you struggle with same-sex attraction, I love you in the Jesus' mighty name. But I have come to tell you that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are there any sons and daughters that are willing to be seen living for and loving Jesus? Come out of hiding because if you will be seen, he will be seen. You will never truly make an impact until you're willing to be seen. The Bible says to let your light shine before men 
that your good works may be seen. Do you know why it says that? Because there's enough bad news in the world, friends. There's enough division in the world. We need to put, put it out there that the church is not being quiet. How many of you are glad to be in a church that's willing to be seen and wants to be seen? Then we look at Gad. If you look at the word Gad, Gad means a troop. It literally means an army. The Ammonites came rushing in, and this tribe of Gad forgot that they were an army. They forgot that this is warfare. They forgot that they needed to fight. And I'm not going to tell you, friends, that you're not going to have to fight. Whoever said this life would be easy, whoever said that you wouldn't have to struggle, whoever said that you wouldn't have to pray sometimes, here's what should have happened. They should have ran the Ammonites out of the land, but they forgot that they had power in the name of Jehovah. But here is the most tragic part of the story. When the Ammonites took Gad, the people of Gad began to worship their false god, Molech. And the Bible says that Molech was their king. Are you understanding me today? When the Ammonites came in and took the land of Israel, not only did they not resist, not only did they not stand against them, but God says, what is going on here? Why in the world now are my people, my chosen people, why are they worshiping Molech? Why have they named Molech their king? Why are they giving this unrighteous deity the glory that belongs to God? They just fell right into place. And let me tell you something, church, you will never change what you become part of. We've got a global church that is compromising too much in the land. And the reason we can't change the world is because the world has gotten so churchy and the church has gotten so worldly that you can't even tell the difference between the two. We look like them, we act like them, we respond like them, we dress like them, but there is a generation, I declare, that is going to rise up and remember who we are and declare war on the enemy. Jesus is king, church. Molech is not king of my life. The agenda of the enemy is not the king of my life. The Republican Party, even though it's going to upset some people, is not king of my life. The Democratic Party, even though it's going to upset some people, is not king of my life. The president is not the king of my life. A senator is not the king of my life. I love my queen, but she is not the king. There is one king of my life, and he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Do we have any sons and daughters who will join the army of the Lord and say, Jesus is king. Young person, will you allow him to reign so much that you are sexually pure, that you will guard the websites you go on, mister, that you'll reject rebellion, you'll reject division, that you'll reject compromise, that you'll fight for your children and fight for our nation and fight for unity, fight for your school, fight for your church and fight for revival. So many have become afraid to fight for Jesus. But here's the question. Will there be sons and daughters that will rise up and claim their school, claim their family, and claim their job? When Jeremiah wrote these words, the Ammonites had taken the land and sifted the people. And here is what is absolutely mind-boggling to me. They took the land, they sifted the people, and they began to build their capital in Gad. They made their capital in Israel. If you define the name of their capital, the name of their capital was Rabbah. And Rabbah means this. It means stronghold. Can you imagine that they set up a stronghold in the nation of Israel? The capital 
of their country. A stronghold was set up in the nation of Israel. You would have expected there to be strongholds in Amnon, but you never would have expected strongholds to exist in the promised land. See, it's never a surprise when strongholds exist in the world, but when the same strongholds of the world start invading the church, Houston, we have a problem. When we had the same mess that are strongholds out there and they become strongholds in the church, we need revival. You expect disunity in the world, but not in the church. You expect fornication in the world, but not in the church. You expect same-sex marriage in the world, but not the same. Now the same stronghold is trying to take hold of the church. You expect injustice in the world, but now injustice is trying to take hold of the church. You expect the world to support at any time pregnancy abortion, but not in the church. Some of you are saying, Pastor, shut up. Shut up, Pastor. You're going to offend somebody. You're saying too much. You're going to upset somebody. Shut up, Pastor. Just be quiet pastor we don't want you to get that radical but I want to sell you something church I am over it I am over it I am over it I am over it since when did the church become so limp-wristed I am over limp-wristed, sissified preaching. I'm tired of it. Where is a generation that will rise up and say, it doesn't matter what you are bound with, you can be set free. So you can jump on my Facebook and give me a nasty gram if you want to. I don't really care. You can comment, but here's the word. It is time to ignore the voice of every single critic who is perpetually offended by everything except sin. Let me say that one more time. It is time to ignore the voice of every critic who is perpetually offended by everything except sin. There will not be strongholds in the house of the Lord. Somebody here is ready to remember. Someone here is ready to be seen. Someone here is ready to fight. And here's the promise of the Lord. Therefore, behold, the day is coming when the battle cry will be heard in Israel. Rabbah, strongholds of the Ammonites, will become a desolate heap of ruins. The strongholds of the enemy will become a desolate heap of ruins. The battle cry will be heard in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The Bible said, I, God, say so, and it will be so. It will be so. Awakening will be so. The salvation of your children will be so. America in revival will be so, so the people would bring their children to be sacrificed to Molech. They were boiled alive, and to mask the cries of their precious babies, they would begin to beat the drums. If I could say anything to pastors and preachers and people who have a stage, it would be stop the show. We don't need a show. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And just as the music didn't stop, hell is beating drums. Just as in the Old Testament, when the children of the Israelites and of Amnon were perishing and dying, they beat the drums so you could not hear the perishing of the next generation. 
Hell is releasing a song. Hell wants the church to be deaf. Hell doesn't want us to hear that there is a generation dying. Hell doesn't want us to know that there is a generation that needs the Lord. Hell is banging the drums of compromise. Hell has been banging the drums of watered-down gospel. Hell has been beating a drum that God isn't real that any lifestyle is okay. Hell has been beating the drums of disunity and political motivation and manipulation, but I rise to tell you, stop the music. We listen to CNN and we listen to Fox more than we listen to the word of the Lord. I don't care what man thinks. I don't care. I care about him. Because man doesn't know what's coming ahead, he does. And as long as I follow after him, I'm going to be okay. So we really need to stop listening to men analyze and say, well, here's what's going to happen. They don't know. No one knows. But he does. We fall into offense because of something we see on social media and we act, like, we act just like the world. We have bought into the lie of the enemy. Our children hang in the balance. Stop the music. People are dying without the Lord. Stop it until repentance comes. Stop it until revival hits the church. Stop it until people are awakened. Devil, we take authority over you. Stop the music. Is there anybody here ready to see the Lord in your generation? It's, it's time, church, to raise the battle cry. Playtime is over. The battle cry will be heard in Israel, and the stronghold, Rabbah, will become a desolate heap of ruin. He said, everything that has bound you can be broken off of you. Manasseh, if you will just remember, Manasseh, if you will remember who you are, everything can shift, Reuben, if you would not be undercover and if you will be willing to be seen. Everything could change, Gad, if you would remember that you are an army. Church, I will remember. I will be seen and I will be part of the army. God used an underaged, underqualified teenager to release a message of hope to a people in rebellion. If you study the word Molak, Molak's name simply means this, not only king, but the verb part of his name means this, the king of shame. One of the ways the enemy works on people is to keep them ashamed, to make them feel like you've gone too far, you've done too much, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of... Issues that I'm fighting, I'm ashamed of the battle that I'm facing. And when we do that, let me tell you something, church, we are enthroning Molech in our lives. See, it's a dangerous thing because the next generation doesn't need a church that is ashamed. The next generation needs a church that knows who they are. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus, the, the Lord said, Do not let your children pass through the fire of Molech. He said, Israel, do not sacrifice the next generation. Are there sons and daughters who will join me today and reclaim the inheritance the enemy has tried to steal from you and from me? If the praise team can come back. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit unusual. I'm going to ask you for just three to four more minutes. I want everyone to stand if you're able, and I want you to lift your hands in this house. Who will join in this fight with me? I want to close the service out by praying over you. And you may say, Pastor, I'm not even saved yet. That's okay. Lift your hands anyway. We can take care of that in just a minute.
all hands lifted and all heads bowed and every eye closed. First of all, Father, I declare that revival is coming to this generation. I declare that our teenagers are going to prophesy. I declare that young men are going to see visions. And I declare that old men are going to dream dreams because that's what your word says will happen. I declare revival in our kids' ministry. I declare an awakening in the name of Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you're not where you need to be with God, if you're not ready and you know you're not ready to stand before him when I count to three, I just want you to acknowledge that to the Father today. One, two, three. We're letting the devil know to stop the music. We're not going to believe the lie anymore. Put your hand, I want to ask you to put your hand on your heart and pray this prayer after me. It's so simple. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, forgive me for all of my sins. I need you. I rebuke the enemy from owning my life. Wash my heart, make it clean, make it new. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray the heart of the Father over you. I want to declare a new season of power and awakening over this church body. I want to declare that God is going to use you, that you are necessary and you are valuable. I bind every trick of the enemy that has come against the people of God, not just in this church, but around the world. I bind you, devil. You have walked into the house of the Lord across America and you have sown disunity and division and compromise. But I say in faith that there are sons and daughters in this room today. There are sons and daughters in this room and online around the world that are rising up in a new fresh oil anointing. I declare that we will see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is so. Strongholds shall be broken. It is so. Demons will tremble. It is so. Shame is broken off of your life in Jesus' name. It is so. The attack will be broken off of your life. It is so. Lord, we release the battle cry and we say thank you now for all that you are doing. We thank you, Lord, for a new season. And if you receive it and you're ready for revival, give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.